I love scotch. 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 Yep. Have another whiskey. If you'd like to speak to me in person, press one. If you'd like to order drugs, press hash. <laughs> I had a gentleman in the crowd that was like, tell me how to drink Glenfiddich. And I was like, I will not do that. Yep. You drink Glenfiddich how you want to drink Glenfiddich. Wear a cowboy hat in Los Angeles and look at the amount of looks you get. Yeah. It's unbelievable. This is the most flamboyant city on earth. You wear a cowboy hat, people look at you like you are yep. like an alien. The Beatles came on and they might pick me up on his shoulder. George Harrison is as close to me as that wall now. I went, all right, George, all right. And he went, cock. <laughs> and that was the closest <laughs> I ever came to the Beatles. <laughs> have a whiskey while we... Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers, Cheers. So, welcome back to United States of Dramerica, and I'm very pleased to have over Zoom the co-owner of McLeod's Brewery in Van Nuys, California. Welcome to the podcast, Alistair Bose. Delighted to be asked to do this. Um, very, very pleased to uh, you know kind of uh, be able to 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 tell my story to expat Brits and Brits and just people who are have an interest in beer, whiskey and things Scottish. And I guess I'll, I'll give you a choice. Do you want to start with a whiskey or do you want to start with a question? Um, well, I've already been at the bottle, so I'm, I'm not desperate for a whiskey. Okay, well, I, I'm going to pour myself a whiskey if you don't mind. So as always, I try and think of an appropriate whiskey for the guests. And obviously, in the old days, we used to drink them face to face. And I know you've got a wonderful little whiskey area, which I would have loved to be in with you. But unfortunately, yeah. we're doing this on Zoom. So you're from, um, you're from Argyleshire. So yes. um, I thought the best I could come up with is uh, Kilhoman. So, oh, yeah. So that's from your neck of the woods. And I don't have the right glass, but I've got a Bunahaven glass. So yeah, close enough. I'm ticking off two boxes. Anyway, so look, first question, I guess, and this is a slightly odd question, but obviously it's been a very, very difficult few months for, for many small businesses and obviously for the hospitality sector in particular. But rather bizarrely, your fantastic brewery with its amazing ales, the thing that's really kept you going during these times is, weirdly, your pizza oven. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's just, uh, we would never have known it, but um, we we did open a small pizza kitchen in the, the warehouse next door, which we, we were offered um, two years ago. And it's seven grand uh, a, a month to rent. And we said, hey, look, uh, if we did the pizza kitchen in here, it would help pay for the building. Pizza and beer is a great combo. And, and, and pizza is a, a food that everyone really understands. Everyone loves pizza and we do vegan pizzas we do vegetarian um, lots of different popular styles and um, yeah it's been a great success and it really has kept us open because we're actually classified as a restaurant which enabled us to have an outdoor patio and and you know serve people on site rather than just a lot of the other breweries are just they're just uh, selling cans of beer to go and crowlers and crowlers and and cans and that's all they can do and they're struggling they're just 20% of them are thinking that they might uh, might not make it. I think in reality that a lot of them will just, they'll rally and they'll find a way, but uh, but 10, 20% are, are in jeopardy. But obviously it, it's, it's hit the hospitality so hard, both immediately when everything had to shut, but then even obviously this sort of half open 
variety of work and some people are scared to eat out like they used to so it's obviously hit the industry hard but if you didn't have the pizza oven all you'd be left with is selling your beer in cans to go and that's it yes we would not like be allowed to have uh, have the operational patio when you put the pizza oven you weren't thinking just in case there's a global pandemic this is a great way of keeping the business open <laughs> no uh, i'm not psychic that way <laughs> but it's obviously it's obviously worked out, you know, as well as it can be. What has it been like for you? Because, see, the regulations have changed and they've changed rapidly and they've changed, you know, California will do one thing and then the county will do a different thing and the city will do a different thing. What's it been like for you trying to sort of think about your staff and your customers and your business while all of this has been changing so quickly? We're always very uh, concerned about... Uh the employees and we thankfully I mean the federal government and local government did provide the the relief the 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 PP PPP the the you know the protection for employees um, and stuff like that so everyone's they've all been doing great even if they've been at home they've been getting money and they've been actually relatives are making more money actually staying at home in in certain cases but I mean the tips aside, I mean, uh, we do get a lot of tips. The tips are high here, and that's a lot of extra income. So there is that. But, um, yeah, it's they've all been troopers about uh, the changing model. I mean, for a long time, it seemed like for a month or six weeks, or I can't remember, we were just – it was a very sad uh, business model because it was the very minimalistly furnished Zen tasting room with spacing lines and plexiglass screens and people would stand in line. Everyone was wearing masks and nobody wanted to really talk to anybody else. They just wanted to stay separate. And it kind of took away the, 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 the social nature of the human beings. Um, but they came and they got their beer and they took it home and they, um, you know, they just uh, got their jollies at home, relaxed and so forth. And, tried to escape from it all just by, by drinking at home. When things started getting bad in, in early March and, and sort of the rules came in that you had to shut, was there a time where you wondered whether you would be able to keep the business going? Did it get, how bad did it get? Yeah, I got, I'm pretty imperturbable, uh, but even I got a little bit nervous about uh, um, the situation having to, I didn't always, I wasn't confident that uh, we could get through it. I was, I was actually nervous, but uh, we, the thing was just, we kept busy. We just did what we could. And we just uh, actually started to, I started to like spruce the place up painting and decorating. And we, we upgraded one of the bathrooms. We put in a touchless faucet because we thought that would be, you know, that would obviously be, be great for the optics. We actually put a big uh, COVID extractor in the brew house, a big fan up in the ceiling, which was, we've always wanted to do it for the steam and stuff, but we, we were motivated to do that, to draw all the, you know, the COVID juju through the, through the building up and out. Because we were reading that a lot of the restaurants, if you, if you were sitting under the air conditioner return, then everybody's COVID was coming onto you on its way back to the circulate through the system. So we, uh, I mean, we were lucky. We, we were, we had the big elephant doors at the front and a lot of fresh air. So it was not, 
not quite as sensitive as a, a typical restaurant. Yeah. Now, obviously, at the beginning of this, there was a lot of rallying around on social media, people saying, you know, support your local business and so on. Now, McLeod's, for those who've not been there, and I've been lucky enough to be drinking in your establishment for quite a few years now, it is very much, you know, it's, it's as close as you probably get to a local pub um, in terms of, you know, a lot of the customers know each other, know you, know the staff. There's a real camaraderie around it in the way that you would find as a British person sort of back in a village in Yorkshire or something. You know, it, it, there is a real community sense to it, which is, I think, why a lot of us like to go there. But certainly the, the way it seemed to be playing out is when all this kicked off, there was a lots of, you know, save McLeod's if you don't go and buy cans of beer and go and buy pizza, they're going to shut. Did you, did you feel that from your customers? Maybe, maybe we, we felt it a little bit, but um, we never, uh, <clears throat> it was never openly stated. Uh, we never, uh, <laughs> we never cried for help and uh, because it never got that bad. I mean, some of the other breweries uh, that don't have the, the kitchen, yes, for sure, they, uh, they are definitely uh, crying out for help. But it never came to that for us, thankfully. And did you, did you see some, you know, did you see the regular faces coming in very regularly once you, you know, when you started doing the... the... Actually, as a matter of fact, a lot of the, a lot of the regulars stayed away because um, it was not so much, uh, it was, it was um, irrelevant whether they felt they were a regular. It was more to do with who was, uh, who was, uh, you know, overly concerned, became paranoid or, 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 or just felt they were vulnerable or, were listening to the news too much about uh, you know the the worst statistics to uh, obviously the media has dramatized the, the thing for for clickbait and stuff but um, I think a lot of people have got extremely worried and a lot of people were kind of like just more about the science and the statistics and like okay 98% uh, even if I get it and there's 98% chance that I will survive I'm not you know the chance of dying is so small especially if you compare it to us, some other kind of uh, behaviors in society, like riding a motorcycle or whatever. But um, they just had a better perspective and, and just certain people were willing to, you know, wear their mask, do the separation and just uh, play it safe and come out and not, uh, not, not act or become, take the attitude of a victim over the thing. They didn't want it to interrupt their lives. So it was mm. really an attitudinal thing. Because I know that there was a, there was a taco stand in LA, which shut not because of the COVID, but because they were fed up with their staff being abused by angry customers refusing to wear masks. Have oh, you had yeah. any anti-mask issues in McLeod? No, 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 no. Thankfully, uh, no, we haven't had any of that. People have been very respectful, and uh, yeah, I mean that—that's <laughs> uh, it's hard to imagine any of our customers doing that. I mean, we get some belligerent people come in here. They bring in a bottle of Jack Daniels and they put it on the table and they just, they act like, you know, they're, they're not necessarily from born and raised here. And they just, they don't really know the rules. We always give them the benefit of the doubt because they, um, we assume they just, they just don't know. They don't understand. And you, most of the time they're, they're, they, they apologize and, 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 you know, don't do it anymore. But uh, some there's been some drunkenness and belligerence over uh, trying to make them follow rules on drinking things, not not the COVID. 
uh, regulations. Yeah. In terms of sort of compared to a normal month, so if you compare August to August of last year, how much has business been down as a result? Um, <clears throat> well, we were down, I mean, for we were 40% down uh, in the early stages, but uh, at this juncture, we're, we're back to normal. Wow. Uh, and the main reason, uh, I think part of the reason is that the, the business model is a lot leaner. Uh, it's a lot, uh, it's, uh, we've eliminated a lot of the activities which took energy and time. And uh, now we're just, it's just eating pizza and drinking beer and socializing with your people from your bubble at your table. And that's it. And so, you know, it's just, uh, it translates better into, into profits. One of the things that's nice about it is it's always been a very friendly venue and you have a, an interesting crowd. Obviously, you, you took a decision early on not to put TVs on the wall and have sports in a way that a lot of the American bars do. And you'd go in there and there'd be people playing um, board games and sort of Dungeons and Dragons type games. And there's lots of friendliness and, and so on. That's been a hallmark of it. Has this COVID increased that sense of community? or decreased it because people are not talking to each other? What's, what's the sort of atmosphere like now? Well, in the early days when we were all in a panic about how not to get, to get uh, uh, the virus, we, um, we eliminated everything that involved touching. So we, we shut down the darts, we took away the darts, because uh, we had communal pub darts. Uh, we took away all the board games, because obviously, you know, chess pieces the whatever um and then uh um what else did we nix uh yeah peanuts. just everything that gets touched we we got rid of the peanuts which was uh, we were, were very sad to do that because mm. very much uh it makes mcleod brewery feel very um kind of old-fashioned to have uh, peanuts and shells on the floor and whatnot but uh, yeah, all that uh, high touch stuff went away. And it actually, as a matter of fact, we, can, we could start to bring stuff back because uh, now they're saying that the touch is, it's all aerosol that's the danger. Mm. And the touch is, is, is far less, less critical. It doesn't really transfer on surfaces as nearly as much as they originally thought. I think, I think we've all sort of had enough of COVID in various different ways. Yeah. Let's talk about the story. So um, obviously you are... You're from Scotland. You run this amazing place, but you're the whole idea of setting up this incredible brewery wasn't actually yours. It was your wife's. Yeah, that's right. My wife Jenny, um, who um, was born in Pasadena, uh, whole family went to England for uh, seven years uh, in our, the, those most impressionable years from uh, five to to twelve. Uh, she got a taste of. Um, she describes it as being very Dickensian <laughs> um, compared to, you know, the 90, uh, being the 60s. Yeah. Late, we, we were born in 63. So, yeah, six, 1968, the family went over there. And, um, yeah, so she, 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 she does love the UK in many regards, the, the countryside and the, you know, she loved the singing in the church and the, the primary school and the, just the riding her bicycle around the, the small streets of uh, Kent and and being surrounded by uh, hops and um, just that kind of kind of culture. But um, 
so that was her upbringing. Um, and then uh, she was a music teacher, started a pipe band, raised two kids, did a whole bunch of stuff in, in the San Fernando Valley, and then uh, got divorced and uh, was available. And I met her, and uh, she was rather charmed by meeting a Scottish, you know, gentleman. <laughs> and um, I was uh, a landscaper, and um, ultimately that helped me build her brewery. Um, and um, but yeah, she she uh, when the, her boys were grown, and uh, she wanted to find a profession of her own, and she. She had several ideas and eventually she loved, uh, she had friends who liked craft beer and home brewing. And so she was introduced to the industry through her friends. And then like so many home brewers, they sit around and fantasize about going pro. And um, she thought, yeah, no, I, that, I, I could really do that. Yeah. So uh, I thought it was a great idea. I mean, I was tired of landscaping because I mean, I was useless at the business side and I, it wasn't hard, a hard ass about collecting the money. It wasn't a hard ass about, you know, writing those work change orders and, and dealing with, you know, the, all the potential areas of loss in a, in a, as a contractor that, that, that you, can, you can get tripped up by. So I was glad to get out of that. I didn't have the temperament to fight for, for money. And so, yeah, it was great. It was a perfect thing. And I, I embraced it and I, Loved designing and building the brewery, and um, I like the social side of it, and and I uh, I really started drinking beer again. It was like like when I was a child, like a, a, a child. Uh, it's like not a child. Sixteen, uh, fifteen, or when we start drinking beer in the UK. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now the name of clouds. That's from your side. That's your grandfather. Is that right? Yeah, my yeah my maternal grandfather is Roland McLeod from the Isle of Skye and um yeah I, I just I like I like being Scottish growing up I uh I always kind of regretted my my father passed away uh, a number of years back and I, so I can say this it's not going to hurt his feelings but I always um I always kind of like my uh, the Scottish side of our family and um the name Bowes is actually comes from Cornwall and it's actually a variant on the the queen's maiden name bows lions which has a w in it but yeah so so that's you know it makes it very the fact that it's from the southern tip of england and and related to the queen of england um i always uh, yeah i just kind of regretted that and i just i loved uh, the this this important uh, scottish clan macleod and the the the, the norse heritage and all that yeah. Yeah. So what's your what's your whiskey drinking like? Are you a big whiskey drinker? Yeah, I, I, I there's not a day goes by where I regret that uh, we're not allowed to serve whiskey here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what's the legal position on that? Is it presumably to become to do liquor as well? Is that a whole another level of licensing and complication? Yeah, well, it, it really is. Um, we could if we if if we wanted, there would be two ways to go. One would be have a 75 license, which would mean you, you, uh, uh, you'd have to buy one. They don't, they really don't issue those, but you'd have to, you'd have to buy a, a, an existing license, um, which would be connected to a specific establishment that, that, that came on the market. Uh, but again, with that, it would be, 
it would be we'd have to give up the brewery because you can't really do both um mm. they're not really compatible um there's a lot of i mean you can do it but there's a lot of restrictions we could we could start a distillery and distill 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 whiskey and other types of spirits but again that would be that's expensive and dangerous uh <laughs> very flammable yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just it's it's kind of complicated and um, there are breweries that also have distilleries, but they're two entities in, in a certain regard. It's two licenses. Yeah. So, but but it, it's actually fine. It's safer this way. So do, you, do you drink whiskey at the end of a night of drinking beer, or do you keep your whiskey and beer nights separate? Well, we do lately, because mainly because um, Jenny uh, has become absolutely, completely enchanted with um, the Outlanders television series. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, the... Uh, she very much relates to Claire Beecham, the main character, uh, the female lead. And she, um, well, all of them are drinking whiskey. Uh, and um, every time uh, things get rough or even, I mean, Claire uses the whiskey. She's, she's, uh, she's doing a surgery on, you know, wounded, wounded soldiers and stuff. And uh, back in the day, they, there really is no kind of antiseptic. Uh, they don't really have anything like we do today. So it's always whiskey to, to every time she does a, sew somebody up or something, she's pouring whiskey on the wounds and stuff and drinking it and stuff. So we've, we've really, every time she drinks, we drink. So, I mean, obviously um, she's so outlander has obviously been very, very popular here. And, and the lead character, Sam Hewan's got a, his own whiskey, Sassanac. Yeah. Uh, well, Jenny, uh, she actually had to buy a bottle. So we did, uh, we did grab a bottle of that. And um, and it was decent. It was decent yeah, and a very very picturesque bottle. Yeah, we're we're in discussions with Sam Hewan about coming on the podcast. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I'm not gonna if, if I'll I'll send this clip to his uh, manager to remind them that they said they might come on. So yeah, that would be great. I mean, that would be that, that would tick, tickle us pink, especially Jenny. She's uh, she's absolutely completely enchanted with uh, Sam Hewan and Katrina Balfe, the two of them and, and many of the other characters as well. She absolutely loves, loves everything about, about the show. Um, so actually in terms of your, cause obviously, you know, she spent some time in England, you're Scottish, but McLeod's is sort of that mixture of quite a lot of your customers are British and some of your, particularly your early beers were very, British founded. So I think the first beer I ever drunk at McLeod's first night I was there was um, Little Spree, I think it was called, which is the one that's um, based on, it tasted quite like Timothy Taylor's Landlord. Yes. Um, so um, what, what is the mix of Brits and Americans in, among your customers in, in, in a vague sense? If I don't know if you keep records. Yes. Um there's uh, it, there was a heavy emphasis on uh, the british uh, british culture and 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 really the beer was the the most british thing about our establishment really mainly because the first brewer was absolutely obsessed with with british beer um, our first brewer um had actually gone to uh the uh, small town of uh, harrogate mm. Arrogate in North Yorkshire and where they make the uh, tea, the famous tea, yeah. tailors of Harrogate, the Yorkshire, North Yorkshire tea and all that. Uh, same, same, same town, same small town. Um, he worked in a brewery 
called uh, Roosters. And they were actually quite uh, modern and they, they did use hops and they, they actually took inspiration from American brewing. But, um, but they had some very traditional methods and everything was cask. Uh, and um, Andy, absolutely, he just, he, I mean, he, he was the kid from uh, Rhode Island. Um, he was in his 20s. And he went out there and actually did a, a course in, in Cumberland, uh, a brewing course, and, and, and did some practical at this brewery. And he, he, he was, he just, I mean, there was just something in his soul that just loved the UK. Mm. And um, so he just, he just wanted to do everything the way they, they did it in the old days. And so we had, I mean, it, it was actually a little bit, um, it wasn't quite right for the American uh, consumer, to be honest, because, I mean, he, he brewed, uh, one of his most meddled homebrew beers was a mild, a black mild. And um, I forget what that one was called, but uh, we, we had served that for a long time. Jackie Tar, no, not Jackie Tar. That was a brown stout. But anyway, um, yeah, mild. And then he had he had dark milds and pale milds, and he had uh, the, the the Timothy Taylor uh, replica. Um, he had um, uh, he he did the the very three point five percent ordinary bitter, and um, which is good if you're going to chug a uh, you know half dozen beers, or you're going to have them at lunchtime or whatever, and have to go back to work but um everything was mild in every sense alcohol mild in in flavor mild in fizz um so it was really uh, it's what what the kids today in in uh, the uk would call old, old man beer mm. and i wasn't particularly offended by that um uh that was the <laughs> one of the 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 Keywords in a survey that that was done in the UK that they that was what they they thought of when the the handful beer was old man beer. Yeah, well, I mean, I I love that about it. Actually, so I a very long time ago, I worked for a newspaper in Yorkshire, and I was the beer writer mm-hmm. under the uh, pseudonym of Dan Beergutstein was my was my uh-huh. writer's name, and along with my colleague Chris Titley, whose pen name was Chris Tetley, we uh, <laughs> used to write about beer every week, and I went to Roosters. Um, I remember it well. So, yeah, I used to write about Yorkshire beer. I think the appeal of my first visit to your establishment was it did taste like the beers that I was used to from home. But obviously, you know, wind on now, whatever it is, five years since I started coming, um, it's a very different selection of beer. And there's a lot of what you would, I guess, call American-style beers in there as well. Oh, yeah. No, we definitely... Um, we definitely moved to, well, the second brewer, um, he, uh, he was actually quite, uh, interested, uh, in lagers. So he introduced a lot of lagers and, um, and, and American beers, um, the, our, our very popular, uh, pale ale called Better Days, um, was his creation. And, uh, so that was a step towards uh, something more American. And then the, the third brewer, he took the lagers to a much higher level and actually did an American light lager, which we call Van Ice. Yeah. Um, My favorite. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I drink it. Yeah, it's, it's good. And now we're putting lime in it and we're putting uh, lemon in it um, in, and selling it in cans. Uh, people love that. And through the summer, they've been all over that. But, uh, and then the, th- uh, th- and the third brewer, um, 
well, he's just doing all kinds. Actually, he's, he's taking it even further. So we started going off the reservation uh, uh, a couple of years in. And then now we've, it's gone so uh, off the original uh, vision that um, we've actually introduced a sub-brand uh, mm-hmm. called Van Nuys, Van Nuys Beer Company, VNBC. Yep. Um, it's a very, um, uh, it's, it's a sub-brand that really allows us to uh, create a lot of, um, uh, as I call them, funny beers. But I mean, it's not, that's not really a great term because actually it's, it's just trendy, trendy beers. What, what the, the kids are drinking, the cool kids, uh, it's a lot of hazies, hazy IPAs, ha- hazy double IPAs, those APAs that are very cloudy, very juicy, Kind of like had the, the texture of, of, of orange juice, like with, with some pulp. Um, and uh, for some reason, the, the people love that. So there's a big demand for that. So we do that. We do sours. We do fruit beers. Um, the sours obviously have fruit in them. Um, kombucha, we buy in We buy in beers. We're not making kombucha, but we um, hard, hard kombucha and or high alcohol kombucha. We sometimes serve um, on tap. Um, we also are doing, um, what else are we doing? We're doing, uh, oh, actually we're going to, um, if you can't beat them, join them. We're actually doing, uh, hard, uh, seltzer. We're going to, and we're, that is classified as beer and we're, we're allowed to make that. So we're actually going to make a hard seltzer and, um, we do buy in, um, Hefeweizen and different types of uh, tart beers and this and that, uh, just because we we can't make everything. I mean, it's different yeasts and it's complicated and it's it's better just to, to let let other people do what they're good at and, and buy them in. So we've got we've got something for absolutely everybody here, um, every kind of beer you could possibly imagine. But the sub brand was launched just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we're we've got lots of cans with very uh, interesting artsy labels, and um, it's definitely something to. To check out if you're if you're into something that isn't old man beer. Yeah, no, indeed. And look, we'll put all the links to the different sort of you know to the website and all that sort of stuff um, for those uh, who are interested in drinking a variety of beers. What, what I always found fun with McLeod. So I used to I would always Uber to McLeod's, and nearly every time this happened, I'd be in the car with the Uber driver and. They put in the location and we'd get close, we get within sort of a couple of minutes of the venue. And they say, Where are you going? And I'd say, Oh, it's a, it's a pub. And they'll say, Are you sure? Because <laughs> when you get close, you're basically driving down, you know, a street which is, I think, almost entirely, it certainly feels like it's almost entirely uh, sort of secondhand car parts. And, you know, it's not dealerships, but it's sort of, chop shops almost and it's it sort of yeah. if, and people are, are you sure this is the right street is there really going to be a pub here and you sort of go past sort of bits of half car or whatever and then suddenly there you are you know you're this brewery with lots of people outside and having fun and then you know you're at the right place um, no it's absolutely true you're, you're you're absolutely right we get that a lot because um uh yeah i mean our Actually, our brewery, I mean, we're required to be in an M2 zone. That's the medium manufacturing zone. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you could do, you can actually do a lot worse. I mean, uh, some of the breweries are very desolate. And, 
but I mean, it's it's more about when you get there and come inside. You, you, you it's the destination, and it's it's you know it's like a, a little uh, oasis and a sort of very very uh, seedy industrial wasteland. Yeah. Well, I think what I think what is appealing about it is it so it doesn't have all the TVs on the wall, which is nice for a change. But also, even though it's obviously got its British links, you're not trying to be a British pub. You know, it's not wooden panels with horse brasses you know it's very plain walls and in the old days you know peanut shells all over the floor you know it's it feels like you're drinking beer in a distillery as opposed to drinking beer in a pub you know you've deliberately made it i don't know what yeah. the right word is raw authentic yeah no jenny was uh, jenny was very particular about that and i mean i i would actually be kind of ashamed if we had like Jack flags and and or tartan upholstery or or ho- horses harness as you say um i mean that would uh, would have been uh would have been wrong we only put the union jack up for um we put it up on the 3rd of july the day before uh independence day we we call it dependence day so we 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 hang the union jack and then we rip it down at midnight and reveal the Old Glory, but hanging behind. Uh, when else do we put it up? I think that's about it. Uh, we, our Scottish flags go up and down because we like to have Scottish parties, and we actually, we obviously, we we finally got a uh, uh, Irish flag for St. Paddy's. It was very sad this year because uh, the COVID hit uh, two days before St. Patrick's. Yes, that's right. I still have my St. Patrick's decorations up here in the in the tavern. Here, I've got. You know, I've got uh, green beads. I've got all my Jamesons and Connemara and, and um, uh, you know, Writer's Tears and all these Irish whiskies that I'm gifted. Uh, my mannequin in the corner is wearing a green skirt and, and, and shamrocks and all that. And we're just kind of stuck. Time has stopped. We're stuck in this Irish. And then it's like our attitude is, well, well this will be over in a couple of months. We'll, we'll have an Irish party. And here we are in September. Well, it's actually, here's a question. So, um, uh, you know, and, and take this in, in the, as it comes, I guess, because I was talking to a, a travel guy on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, as a travel writer, and he was saying that there's a, there's a sort of moral dilemma faced by certain towns around doing sort of publicity campaigns about tourism because by creating tourism they might be creating risk either for the tourists or even for the locals in their town you know as as a as somebody in the hospitality industry who has relationships with your staff you know your customers are your friends particularly at the beginning of this when you weren't sure what everything was was there a part of you that was worried that by reopening you might be putting some of your customers at risk balanced against trying to run a business um yeah, there was a little bit of that, I think. Um, although for me personally, I I knew that if we followed the guidelines, we'd be all right because I think the the uh, the authorities, the LA uh, County Health Department, is I mean they're obviously erring on this on this on the side of safety. And they don't want to be accused of being negligent or. Uh, create any kind of liability. So I figured if we follow the rules 
and we take them seriously and we don't allow, I mean, sometimes people come, come here in a big group of more than six, which is the amount that's allowed at one table. Maybe uh, 12 people come and they, they have this, uh, this urge to uh, just take it upon themselves to put two tables together and create one big group of 12 people. So all the employees here are instructed to, um, to not allow that, to, to explain that um, we, can, uh, we can get in trouble and, and whatnot. And uh, we try to politely explain that it's, it's not, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't conform to the, the guidelines. And we have a whole package telling us exactly how the table should be. Hmm. If, they're, if they're, it's six feet basically from table to table, if people are two tables with people facing back to back, or four and a half feet if people are facing sideways, it's four and a half feet. And so, yeah, we're very scientific about how we let, we've laid it out everything. Mm. And, and, and so I'm not particularly worried, although we did dial back the promotions. Uh, I used to do all the Facebook posts on a daily basis, telling people, encouraging people to come and do certain things. But um, I was completely out of a job because we, we didn't want to promote anything. We didn't want too many people to come. We wanted people, just a, a manageable amount of people to come. Mm. And uh, so our promotional is, promotion is quite, quite low-key right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you know, um, obviously, I used to come. I had, a, I had a standing once a month drink with a friend. Plus, we used to come after football regularly, and then once a year, we'd get a, we'd book one of these tables of twelve in the days that you could, and uh, have a annual drink with beers at your place, and then head back into town for a for a whiskey at the end of the evening. I think that yeah, group- that was. That was one of my greatest joys, having the um, when BAFTA would lay on uh, um, a a a a, a so- soccer soccer. I think that's how they say it in America, a soccer match um, between the was it the the U.S. Army versus the the BAFTA team. It was um, it was a it was a BAFTA team, and then it was against visiting guys from the. It was either serving or ex Marines from the British Army, right. Uh, We'd come in and then we'd go and have a standing drink at your place afterwards. So, uh, no, I love that. They loved it. They they couldn't believe it. They could find like beer beer that they were accustomed to, and we would we would stay open. Uh, I think one a.m. is is we have special uh, one a.m. is the how late we can go. So we would extend an extra hour for these these lads that had played a hard game of football and really deserved a few pints. Yeah, so it's it's making me sad, Alistair. I think. I used to, you know, McLeod's was part of the sort of my, in the days when I socialised, you know, McLeod's was one of my standing places. And I think seeing you in your establishment with your logos behind you, sitting in my shed as I am five months into not going out, it reminded me, you know, how much fun I used to have in the days when you could socialise with people and how McLeod's was, for me, a big part of that fabric. And I know it was for for so many other people. And I know a lot of my friends are, you know, going back there. I'm still drinking the beer. I'm just doing it in my gut, my garage and my garden instead. Well, listen, Dan, uh, keep your chin up, stiff up a lip. Um, we'll, we'll get back to normal. It'll, it'll, it'll be, be like that again. And, um, uh, I think we should, we should raise a glass. I think we should have a dram and, uh, toast to getting back to normal. Yeah, we should. So what, what, what whiskey have you got there, Alistair? Um, well, um, my answer was going to be uh, 
to what's your favorite whiskey? Um, yeah, well, so let, let me ask you that question so we can do this properly. So, Alistair, the last question, as it always is, and obviously as a listener, you know this. If you could drink any whiskey with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, what would it be, and where would it be? All right. Well, um, because I'm a Scottish immigrant from the Highlands and I'm essentially from meagre beginnings, raised in a community of people who didn't have uh, um, you know, private incomes and the ability to buy expensive whiskey, um, my intuition would be just to say, I'll have a f- famous grouse. Very good. <laughs> Which is uh, the UK's most sold uh, blended whiskey. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's basically what I would say. But um, since I've been in America, I've learned that, you know, we are allowed to experience all these great whiskeys that, that uh, Scotland exports around the world. And um, so I, I usually uh, like a certain whiskey because of the, um, just for reasons outside of the, the whiskey's own merits. Um, and my hometown in uh, the county of Argyll is um, Oban. Yeah. And it also helps that Oban, uh, the distillery from Oban uh, is part of Diageo. And this is very easy to get in L.A. Yep. Um, so Oban 14 is, um, I, I, feel, I feel really great when I, when I have that because it, it reminds me of uh, the wonderful fishing port of Oban which is uh, also called the gateway to the islands. Um, in America, they pronounce it Oban. Yes, they do. <laughs> Oftentimes. Yes. And uh, I like to, I don't always correct them. I just accept it because the syllables often get fucked up in America. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just because this is um, a, a whiskey uh, podcast, I'm going to just talk a little bit about more about um, the Oban 14 and the distillery it comes from. The distillery is at the heart of my hometown in the West Highlands of Scotland, the fishing port often referred to as the gateway to the islands. The Oban distillery was founded in 1794 and the town grew up around it. Oban 14, the single malt where I'm about to pour, um, Its uh, attractive West Highland character reflects its location, revealing aspects of both the Highland and the Island styles, elegant and glowing. It marries the sea air character of the islands, the island malts, to the soft, rich, fruity style of the Highlands, creating its own rich tasting West Highland malt. So anyway, that's their blurb. And um, See, it's- now he- hearing you, I, I, we're going to have a whole load of female listeners now realizing why Jenny fell in love with this debonair Scotsman with his beautiful accent. There's something about the Scottish accent which oh. I think oh, is- away with you, get away. <laughs> no, but there's a, there's a well known um, I think in England, nearly all of the call centers in the UK that haven't been outsourced use Scottish voices. Scottish voices work in marketing. I know um, a guest earlier on this podcast, Ross King, who is part of my regular 
group who come to your uh, for my drinks at your place every year. He's the official voice for American Express call centres in the UK. There's oh, something yeah. about the Scottish voices. There's all these surveys that say it's trusting and has natural gravitas <laughs> and you can believe these people and it's authentic. And hearing you read that, Alistair, I see why they say that about well, that. Well, I try. I mean, I have to be able to do that um, at certain times when it's called for. Um, I don't hold a candle to um, uh, Lauren Cousins, who has a wonderful, um, the rep from, for, for Balvenie. Uh, well, he's a lot more than that. He's fucking Madonna's bagpiper. He is. I'm a guest on this podcast earlier on. Yes, indeed. Yeah, but, but uh, Lauren Cousins, um, he, has a, he has a wonderful Scottish accent, and he's, it's completely unabashed. And it has the, the Highland lilt. Um, he's from Campbellton. Um, which is just actually we're also on the Mull of Kintyre so he's on uh, the other end of the Mull of Kintyre for me and um, I do love to hear him I, I very much enjoyed his podcast uh, with you now look um, you still haven't answered the question so if you could drink any whiskey with anyone so you've done the whiskey bit who would it be we've done the what where would it be um, I think um, the where um Okay, right. Um, I think I would. Um, I would like to. Uh, Sean Connery. Ooh. Would be. Uh, I think Sean Connery would be my my choice. Amazing. Yes. Um, very. Uh, very respectful of that that man. Uh, mm. And um, I'm kind of. Uh, I, I'm. I'm. Kind of, he came to mind because he was actually he was actually in the news the other day. Um, it was actually a rather unfortunate. He was in his house and uh, he reached up onto the. He had a little bit of an accident. He reached up onto the top shelf and uh, kind of lost his balance a bit. And he grabbed a, a shelf and the shelf came down on top of him. And um, he was all right, but um, when he went out the house, the, the the press were there and they asked him, uh, Mister Connery, um, what happened? And his reply was, I only have my shelf to blame. <laughs> <laughs> Always loved that joke. Good. So, um, but yeah, where would I, where would I drink it with him? Uh, oh, Keg's Folly, the okay. wonderful uh, monument up above, right up above the distillery. We go up there and we look out over the, the the highlands and islands and we'd see the mcbrain's ferries leaving for mull and the outer hebrides and collinsy and all that so that would be it very good open 14 i'm pouring it with sean connery above the open distillery that sounds like a great answer so um you've now poured yours so um let's, let's end this properly alistair thank you very much for your time congratulations on getting through the last few months good luck for the next few months and i look forward to joining you in real life for a real beer and a real whiskey as soon as it's safe Cheers. all right ting, ting. here's to that yes been a pleasure mm, i love scotch 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 And don't forget to not just follow us on Twitter and Instagram at US of Dramerica, but also ask us questions and comment and say nice things. And please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast 
And if the mood takes you, you can leave us a review as uh, feedback is always welcome. And drink whiskey. Sloncher Vaughan.